Hello everyone and welcome to a special bonus episode of This Nintendo Life. Uh, I am NBZ and uh, I am here. Uh, I needed to be joined by a fellow weeb because this is an important <laughs> week for weebs. You know, the anime nonsense is coming over the hill and we need to be ready for it. Um, so uh, we're here on a special episode to talk about Xenoblade Chronicles and I'm joined by Devin. Devin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Always happy to join. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, And you... Very recently, we're like, hey, uh, I'm, I'm playing the Xenoblade Chronicles thing. I'm like, okay, okay uh-huh, this is one of my favorite games of all time. So very interested to see what you think about it. And you're like, well, I think I'm probably going to finish it before three. I'm like, we'll see about that. It's a long game, very ambitious. Uh, and then you proceeded to just play through the whole thing in like the last few weeks or so. So yeah, um, yeah. How, how was that experience of like condensing it into a short period of time? Uh, I told you this uh, <laughs> right before we recorded. So... I work from home at the moment, so it is very easy to just pull out my Switch and play for a little while, and I, I definitely played that game more than I I should have when I was technically mm-hmm. on the clock, but that that yeah. game, honestly, maybe more than any other RPG I've ever played, also with probably Persona, it's just like when you get into a groove, it's just impossible to put down. It has that kind of Breath of the Wild feeling where it's like, oh, you know, this is a great stopping point when I finish this quest, but then, like, three more open up and you find a new secret area or uh-huh. you do a story cutscene or something like that, and you're like, I just, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't stop playing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, my history with the series is, weirdly, it took me a very long time to play through the first game, even though it is my favorite in the series and, like, one of my favorite games of all time. Um, it was, I think it was when Chugga Conroy started his LP. I was oh, about yeah, halfway I through. And I was watching his LP, and my, my goal for myself was, oh, I need to finish this before he finishes his LP. So I was like a race against the clock to basically finish it before he went through and, and did it himself. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I played it over the period of like three or so years. I got it straight after Skyward Sword. I basically, I finished Skyward Sword in 2011, and I needed a new game on Wii, so I just went to the shop, and over Christmas... Xenoblade on Wii, which now you will find for absurd prices because it's an extremely rare game, hard yeah. to get. Um, it was down, marked down 50% off to 20 quid in game. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm getting this because I heard about people talk about it on podcasts and people were like, this is great. This is like a niche RPG that is like super well regarded and, and highly revered. And I was like, all right, I will check it out. And then I proceeded to play it with a Wii remote and nunchuck. And let me tell you, it's a bad way to play Xenoblade Chronicles. Do not play it with a Wii <laughs> remote and nunchuck. Because um, I got to that first spider boss, right? Like in the mines. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't beat it because I just I, the controls weren't working for me. So it was like a year later that I got a um, pro controller for the Wii, which you would plug into the Wii remote and you'd use that. So I, I got that, and then I played a bunch more. Got to like the middle part of Aerith Sea, then took another break, and then came back to it like the year later when Chugga Conroy was playing through it. And I think because I had got stuck on one of the bosses, um, I think the Melia Trial uh, was where I got stuck against um, Tyrea and the freaking what do you call it the uh, telethia in there um that was a tough boss fight everyone said that fart that fight was really tough but you're talking about the, at the end of bionis interior that one no 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 no. i'm talking about the one uh inside mm-hmm. of the trial the middle of the game before you go to prison island basically. oh oh like the first telethia you fight yeah yeah i think so inside yeah. inside that area um but anyway mm-hmm. yeah so i my my history with that game is is long and and uh you know i i really i loved it you know i think the the 
kind of narrative beats of it and the music and everything stands out so strongly to me it's it's one of my favorite games of all time at this point uh but subsequently like when i played the other games all of them uh kind of speaking to what you were saying i completed them all within a very short period of time like x i beat within i want to say three weeks or so put like yeah. 90 hours into that game uh when xenoblade 2 came out i finished it in 10 days i basically <laughs> played like 70 80 hours in 10 days which was absurd um and then when um Torna came out yeah, yeah so i was home on holiday but when Torna came out and i beat that in like three days as well so like uh, my my history with xenoblade past the first game which ironically is my favorite um is always like beat it in a very very short period of time i also replayed definitive edition when it came out and also played future connected and did that in the space of about a week as well so yeah um i have taken a week off for xenoblade 3 basically wow. uh, and i'm anticipating to hopefully finish it within that week if not a little bit um you know soon after that but um yeah basically i just want to have this discussion about xenoblade 1 and your experience with it and maybe look towards the future a little bit um because we're in the lead up to 3 3 is coming out uh, when this posts probably in about a few days time and um you know i think probably partially the reason you jumped into the original game is that three looks quite enticing right yeah i mean three looks amazing i've always been really interested in the original game um i picked it, i i wanted to get it on wii when chugga conroy started doing his let's play uh yes but it was impossible to find that i think it's actually easier to find now because there's been all these re-releases and it also right. went up on the uh the wii version went up on the wii u eShop at one point mm-hmm. so i remember yeah. along with that and metroid prime trilogy on wii the the price just went down because it was way easier to get um yeah, much more accessible at yeah. this point in time, which is nice. But I, I played, I don't know, maybe five or six hours on 3DS, and I, I don't know, just for whatever reason, I stopped. It didn't quite click with me. Um, it's hard to like get across the grandeur of the world on the 3DS yeah. version because it's so shrunk down. Like Part of the experience that I love about these games is how big and boundless the worlds are and like mm-hmm. the exploration side of it and just the grand like split. Like Just looking at this original game on Wii, it's almost mind-boggling that they got it to work, right? Like, yeah. the size and scale of stuff is just astonishing. And so, um, yeah, it's always been a very technically impressive series. Obviously, Monolith have gone on to help Nintendo's internal teams on stuff like Breath of the Wild and uh, the sequel to that game also, like their open-world tech and everything. Is... Are they confirmed for the, the sequel as well? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they have, like, a, a bunch of team members who basically work with the Zelda team now on open-world tech stuff, That's I guess. Um, so, yeah, they do a lot of work on lots of nintendo games actually i think there was some other recent uh projects they were working on uh, also but they are yeah they're a big uh tech help for for lots of what nintendo's been doing in the switch era um mm-hmm. and um obviously they are very quick at making their own games because like apparently I mean, <laughs> the turnaround is is pretty rapid when it comes to you know monolith versus a lot of other nintendo studios um but uh but yeah, I um I do think that this this first game, uh, thankfully, is is as you were saying, a lot easier to get a hold of now with the definitive edition on Switch. Um, but yeah. also it's just ironic because originally this series, and I mean this was part of a uh, a thing called Operation Rainfall back in the day. I was going to mention that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember that very distinctly. Yeah, which was basically uh, Japan had these three Wii RPGs. There was Pandora's Tower, The Last Story, and Xenoblade Chronicles. And um, Nintendo of America refused to localize them or bring them out 
out. Meanwhile, Nintendo of Europe, the reason why the Xenoblade games have a British voice cast is all because Nintendo of Europe were the ones to localize the game, right? Um, that's that's the reason we have it like that. And uh, I'm uh, I'm actually very happy about that because I think it gives the series such a unique identity. Yeah. Um, like the British Isles voices like lend such a different feel to it. And I think it just works so nicely. So it is kind of fortunate that Nintendo of Europe kind of took on the mantle of publishing all three of these games. And then eventually Nintendo of America were like, they gave in and they're like, all right, fine, we'll put them out and we'll make it GameStop exclusive and like very begrudgingly. And now ironically, Xenoblade is like a rising star in terms of their franchises alongside fire emblem like Mm -hmm. it feels like these games have really started to find an audience on the switch and people just getting much more interested and invested in them which is very cool to see yeah Um, but you wouldn't have thought it originally right um which is uh interesting but um anyway uh we're here now uh, and it is a popular franchise and we're looking forward to three coming soon maybe let's start off with some kind of like spoiler free thoughts on the original game um how how did you feel about it overall as a game and uh and kind of things that you like things that you didn't like um yeah just give me your overall thoughts i guess Mm. um i i mean i love the game overall i think i'll Mm. I'll get this out of the way now i i have i haven't done like a top 10 favorite games list and forever so i don't know exactly where it would okay work, but on the top i'd, of I'd my love head, to see that you know yeah on the top of my head i think this might be in like top 10 territory for me now Damn, okay I, I really really enjoyed this game um i don't know with, with the positives i think it's tough to say things that people haven't almost talked about ad nauseum the world sure, is, yeah. is incredible uh it's it's just beautiful and finding the secret areas is so rewarding especially since you get like actual bonuses you get uh xp and ap and all that stuff um i think the story for what it is is pretty phenomenal it, mm-hmm. at least for me with someone who's like very much a story person and just familiar with like writing and narrative tropes uh a, lo- a lot of the things i was able to predict but it, it didn't really impact the experience for me there's something about this game yeah that's just especially story-wise it's just like firing on all cylinders even if there are like kind of silly anime moments for for oh, whatever yeah. reason you're just like all in <laughs> you're like they they like yeah yeah it leans into anime but in like the good ways where yeah. i think like two two leans into anime in the bad ways uh-huh. and i think like i hope <laughs> i hope they find that balance again in three because uh yeah i think there's definitely like i think melodrama is a big reason i like japanese stuff so oh, much right? is great you, yeah yakuza is filled with melodrama and i think mm-hmm. it's part of why i love that series so much like as much as i really appreciate like western storytelling and like uh, a lot of these big like um you know triple a games right stuff like spider-man and god of war and last of us like mm-hmm. they're all very self-serious and like it's cool like i like stuff like breaking bad as well you know i like i like like these kind of prestige tv things sure, yeah. but there's something about like the kind of almost camp like melodrama like the not taking itself too seriously while also like really leaning into some like emotional moments i think it like those games wear their heart on their sleeve so much more clearly mm-hmm. and i think that's why i gravitate towards that that type of storytelling quite a lot um which you know you, you pops up in anime a lot as well um so uh yeah i i do i do appreciate that yeah I but i mean the, yeah. the serious moments still really work without going into spoilers i mean there's something that mm-hmm. happens i don't know about four hours at the end of the first game which or yeah at, at, you know in the, in the very beginning like first chapter yes. or two uh 
which anyone who has played the game knows exactly what I'm talking about, uh, which is, mm-hmm. like, great driving narrative force, and there's mm-hmm. plenty of stuff later on that's uh, in particular to do with the character of Melia that's just, like, pretty pretty dark <laughs> and pretty yeah. tragic. yeah. Yeah, it goes. It definitely goes places. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about like the combat system? Because I know this is probably one of the elements that people not don't have issue with, but it's like it's almost MMO light yeah. in the way that you yeah. have like these access to these abilities and they're on cooldown and stuff like that. Um, I think Xenoblade Two does a better job like with that style of combat. But what did you think about uh, the way they handled it here? Um, I can tell you first off, like anyone playing this game, I mean, I. I you know, this is probably the way you were... You didn't need me to tell you this, but play the Definitive Edition. There's lots of nice little improvements. Yeah. In particular, especially with Shulk, uh, there's a ton of arts, which are your sort of cooldown abilities from an MMO, that are positional-based on the enemy. And from what I remember, in the original game, like, there's no notification if you're on the side nope. or the back of an enemy. They do not tell you at all. You have to judge it yourself, mm-hmm. basically. They fix it in this game, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Um... The only thing is, and I know you can change this in the Switch control menus. I never did. Uh, I, I found it was a little bit awkward to use the D-pad to switch between the arts sometimes. I kind of wished it was on the triggers so you could move and do it. Um, in particular, at least with my Pro Controller, I have always had the issue where uh, if I press right or usually right or sometimes left on my D-pad, it registers an up input a lot. So I, I would miss input arts sometimes, which was kind of frustrating. Um but I, I really like the combat in this game. Uh, I know this is particular, you know, something that people mentioned for Xenoblade 2, but um, it's I think it's still true to a, a degree in this game. There are a ton of systems in this game, combat-related and non-combat-related, that then, like, fuel into combat. And it can be kind of overwhelming to understand them all. There, there are yeah. bits of the system that I don't even quite understand to this day. Like, when you're doing a chain attack, when sometimes you'll continue on to like a, a second round of it after your third party members. And then sometimes it just doesn't happen. I don't know if that's to do with tension or affinity or something like that, but that yeah. always confused me. <laughs> Chain attacks are a little weird. I think, I think it's like the color of the art is what you need to use. So like if you use a red art, you need to use so that. That'll combo. Yes. Yeah. It's like a multiplier on the damage of the art, but I don't know if it has anything right. specifically to do with like, if the chain attack continues, because there were, there were plenty of times where I do three red arts and it end. And then I do, you know, three red arts and it would continue. So I, I have no clue. It might be like, um, the kind of motivation system, you know, when like your characters, like portrait looks sad or like looks, Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it could be to do with that. Maybe I'm not sure. It's, it's one of those games where the first, time my first playthrough i didn't really understand the systems that much yeah. i didn't really know what arts to level up properly i wasn't like efficiently equipped in terms of characters i basically used shulk Shala, and ryan until the end of the game and didn't really change up at oh, all really? so i didn't really experiment in any way just because i was very i feel like when i first played this i wouldn't say i was like new to rpgs but like xenoblade was one of the first big rpgs that mm-hmm. i really got my teeth into and the last like dec- decade or so i've played a lot uh like really in enveloped myself in the genre in a much um more uh kind of wide way and so i have a better kind of understanding of like digging into those types of systems but i think it's quite overwhelming as like a starter is. rpg yeah. in a way um and so my second time through i i understood everything so much better um i think partially from having watched chug conroy play through and him explaining everything very clearly mm-hmm. um but also like just looking up like okay so how does melia work like what is her unique thing 
um, because a lot of the characters do play quite differently, right? Like, Shulk is very, very positional based. Yeah. Um, you know, Ryan is basically a tank. Uh, Dunban is like a dodge tank, basically. Like, they all have mm-hmm. specific roles that they play. Ellie's doing her own thing, basically. She doesn't really play like anyone yeah. else. No, she has like a whole different set of mechanics, and it's um, it's a, the game. I will say to its fault, does not do a great job of explaining it. That system, like they have tutorials, but I don't think they really. You, you okay. were better served going. Yeah, you're better yeah. served going to YouTube in order to find out how to really play uh, some of those characters. Yeah, I would recommend yeah. um, Chugga Conroy for sure. Uh, who mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll mention more throughout this video because he's kind of like the, sure. the Xenoblade master <laughs> at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'd also recommend, I don't know if you've checked his channel out before, uh, NL? It's E-N-E-L? Yes, I've been, I've been watching a, a bunch of his um, breakdown analysis stuff, mm-hmm. Xenoblade 3 um, things, which is really interesting. And uh, I think he speedruns as well. His, uh, his character guides... Yeah, yeah, he actually, so um, SGDQ just happened, and he and Chugger mm-hmm. Conroy both did a uh, a commentary for a run on Torna, which was cool. I watched yes. a little bit of that. Um, nice, yeah, I want to go back and watch that. They, um, I actually watched the Elden Ring runs, and also yeah. I think there was a Metroid Dread run that I'm there still was, in the middle of yeah. watching, so yeah, some good stuff there, for sure. Yeah, GDQ's great. It, everyone should yeah. watch GDQ. It's it's awesome cause, mm-hmm. awesome event. But yeah, no, he, he has uh, character guides for, you know, Shulk, ryan melia all that stuff um mm-hmm. as well as some other things like how to raise affinity that's more end game sort of oriented yeah. but there, there's a couple of guides in there that i found super super useful because so shulk you uh you really only have i mean monado arts is one thing but your main arts you don't unlock any you know that you can't fit on your arts bar if you look yes. at like ryan ryan has about 10 billion arts <laughs> so when oh, you're yeah. first trying to play the game it's it's a little bit difficult to figure out like what's useful and and what's not because there is definitely right. a big discrepancy between like the good and the bad arts so it's also yeah about setting yourself up with the right arts that will help you the most in terms of causing stuff like the topple sure, um, break topple, the, uh, break, yeah. break topple days combo because i think one of the issues people have with this game is the AI control party members and whether they will actually proc the abilities you want them to at the yeah. times you want them to. Because you don't have control, like you can give them commands of like where to attack or like focus on one enemy, but there's no there's no like direct command, which gets me excited about three because three has very direct switching yeah. to each character, so you Looks can set fun. things up a lot more easily um, in terms of those like chains of putting stuff together. So. Uh, I'll I'll recommend to people, this is just my experience, and I think most people would agree, uh, for good party members controlled by the AI, uh, Ryan is really good controlled by the AI, Um, Mm -hmm. Sharla, you know, she's a healer, honestly, it's probably way better if you're actually going to use Sharla to have Yeah, she's kind of boring to play as, generally, if you're going to play as Sharla, it's a little dull, um, but yeah. Uh, Ricky works really well, controlled by the AI, and mm-hmm. Dunban, Never, does. Never have, um, never use Melia controlled by the AI. They don't know what to do no. with her, and uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a nightmare, yeah. Um, she, you know, she's so hard to use, even the game's own AI has no idea how to use her, basically. Actually, once, um, once you understand Melia, I found she's kind of one of the easier characters to use. Once you sort of understand yes. how her kit works, you get into a rhythm where you're not worried about positional or anything like that. You're kind of just like 
using your abilities on on cooldown to an extent. She um, actually kind of breaks the game. Like once you get good yeah. at Melia, she becomes almost overpowered in a in a fun way. Um, and I I committed to learning her my second time through playing mm-hmm. Definitive Edition. She's really fun. I like her. Yeah, uh, but purely because uh, Future Connected is a part of that, right? And right, she yeah. is a playable character there. So I was like, I need to learn her. Basically, what I did was I played up to like the middle of the game, then I went and played Future Connected, and then I finished the main game. So basically, oh, got to the point where I'd learned Melia a little bit, and then I jumped over to Future Connected to play that like halfway through, so that I had a uh, a good idea of what to do um, with her initially. So do you want tips for yeah for Melia build. Um... Try and find the uh, the hidden um, arts manual in the uh, yes. Hyantia tomb, which is awesome. You oh, get... that's the most helpful one by far. Yeah. yeah, you get a great piece of gear, and you get the advanced manual for Summon Bolt. And also, stack Aether up gems and Electric Plus yes. gems on her, and you're going to be yeah. doing great work. Just just basically with everyone, just stack agility gems. That's the general go-to thing. Um, yeah, agility's busted. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculously good, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Some, some of these other systems in the game are really interesting, and I, I feel like they've been smoothed out a little bit over the series, but stuff like yeah. the affinity chart and um, like, you know, having heart-to-hearts and things like that. I really like the idea of affinity. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, this game does the thing that most modern RPGs do now, which is great, where all your all your you know party member members get leveled up so you're not stuck to a team of three um but for affinity grinding you need to have them within the party which can i don't know it can be a little bit frustrating uh yeah you can have some unoptimized party set up because we talked about this um just on discord and stuff but mm-hmm. the way this game does its party members i think is really cool uh you have sort of two versions of a dps character two versions of a tank character and two versions of a healer but they all like the different versions in each roles kind of do very different things from one another so i, I don't know it's yeah. just cool to kind of mix and match the the party setup and then the seventh character which i think most people know there is a seventh character without mm-hmm. spoilers is also cool because you can play them in sort of whatever way you want you can go strength yeah. build you can go agility tank build you can go like a magic ether build it's it's cool yeah it's pretty flexible uh, mm-hmm. which is nice and um yeah it, it I, I definitely like had much more fun the second time through with the combat just understanding it a lot better and and mixing things up and having different party combinations and uh yeah i think it honestly i i had this high in my estimation but i think playing through a second time just only raised it um because i think you know the stuff for me that makes this game so special is the music first of all is fucking incredible it's my favorite it's my favorite soundtrack of all time like it's absolutely amazing um but like the the characters and, and the plot beats for me are just like so like stuck in my brain as like yeah. these things that i i was so thrilled by every time like i think it is for a game that is probably 70 hours it is remarkably well paced in terms of its reveals and its moments and like the things that it teases out um oh, yeah, I, I think it just does a, a amazing job with that stuff um so yeah maybe we'll uh, we'll switch over to that stuff to spoilers so if you have not played xenoblade chronicles then uh there'll be a timestamp in the description and uh, maybe skip ahead to when we talk about um you know stuff for xenoblade 2 and 3 after this but uh, yeah let's yeah. let's get into it man um yeah how how did you feel uh about like some of these major moments let's maybe start at the beginning i think the the fiora death is the uh quote-unquote death is the is the first thing that really got me in this game it's yeah. kind of like it is a really good driving motivation of like oh sh- okay yeah they really went for it at the start here mm-hmm. and uh, it really kind of makes you want to go out on this adventure no it's um, super cool I love that a lot. it's super cool i i will say i love how 
the the game has a system where, unlike most RPGs, including two, from what I've seen, which is a disappointment, um, your armor affects actually like what your character is wearing. So you can get yes, in the first does. village uh, this like bikini armor, um, which just happened to have like the best stats for Fiora. So I had of her course, yeah. wearing. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> Like so, I was wearing the bikini armor. I didn't realize it would show oh, up in god. the cutscene, but it shows in the up in the cutscene where she's killed by Metal Face. Oh like, my god, I that's can't brutal, man! <laughs> yeah. No, that's ridiculous. I didn't realize that. I don't think I've ever found that. That's, yeah. that's really funny. <laughs> I mean, Colony Nine is like a fucking huge area. Like that opening space, you can. It's. Tra- I mean, it's the bi- it's the biggest town. I, that, or I guess, yeah. maybe Frontier Village, but that's a very right. vertical area. Obviously, it's not just the town. It's like the whole like water area around it like this whole circumference is just absolutely fucking enormous like i remember when i first played it spending like 10 hours just in that first area because i um i have a little obsession with like just filling in maps and so uh i did oh i tried that in this game i tried that to begin it at the beginning like i'm gonna get in every map square but Uh once i hit gower plane i'm like i'm not doing that (laughs) this is not happening (laughs) well the thing that i didn't realize when i first played through is that you you basically if you find every fast travel location every landmark it will it. lift it will lift the fog for you okay. so it will just do everything um so yeah my, my second playthrough i just basically went and found all the landmarks to i i was constantly i don't know about you like so there are two sort of ways you can view the map in definitive edition you can hit y mm-hmm. um, to tr- travel between like fast travel markers or you can hit l3 yeah. click in the stick to sort of get like a zoomed in view of the map which isn't affected by the fog yeah it's like a kind of um it's does it like overlay it so you can see it while you're running at the same time it overlays it on the screen and it doesn't affect the fog so you can actually see like the the um like geography or whatever you want to say of the terrain you can see what it looks like and you can see like more zoomed in where quest icons might be and stuff so i was constantly like toggling that map on and off uh, it was yeah. super, super helpful. Did you think that Fiora was dead when that happens at the beginning? Or no. had you been... I guess no. I think you said to me you'd been spoiled on that, right? Yeah, because I played Smash 4 and I saw Mecha right. Fiora yeah. trophy. And I was like, well, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, re- I do remember seeing that in Smash 4 and I was like, uh, Bali, stop, stop getting trophies. Because uh, I think he was playing through it around the uh-huh. time that that came out. And I was like, uh, don't look at any trophies. It will spoil Xenoblade. It will basically give away this uh, key plot point, which, um, yeah, you can you can kind of see it coming, I guess. Like, um, I mean, I, the... I will say, um, at the moment when I first learned that, I was upset. But they kind of suggest it very early on that she's still alive yes because you see like some girl get put into this like huge white mech on and uh, she you know you see like blonde hair and she looks like right. fiora so i mean you know it's yeah. cl- the game is clearly trying to be like is this fiora you know it's not trying to hide anything there are a lot of those cutaways to um oh, what's her name Egil's sister uh Vinaya? yeah yeah, yeah um, lots of cutaways to like them like in a dark room with a mech on and like ominous voices and like mm-hmm. uh, metal face saying stuff those types of things so yeah i think a lot of that is is interesting second time through because you know exactly who all these people are yeah. and so all of it is like very clearly foreshadowed especially like the one of my uh, favorite first cut scenes is like when shulk touches the monado and it just basically flashes a bunch of events that are going to happen mm-hmm. like you see uh, egil in the aldabaoth like at the end of the fucking game right in that first um kind of uh, oh, premonition cool. scene uh so like if you go back now and watch that uh, cut scene again you will notice of like okay there's the emperor dying in prison island like there's this all this stuff happening being set up that one they show a million times that that one they show that one yeah loads 
Yeah. That's like one of the central uh, parts of it. And um, yeah, I like I like it. I guess we haven't talked about that as a mechanic, but like they build that into the game. I like the fact they build the future seeing uh, story thing into the game as a mechanic as part of the battle system. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I really... I really like the vision mechanic. The only frustrating thing is every single time there's a vision, you have to watch the animation play out and the character fall to the ground yeah. and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, it, it doesn't really particularly matter what the attack is. It just matters that there's an attack. Yes. So they could just put the little countdown timer at the top and, you know, that, that right. would be that. But it... It's not that it's not that big of a deal. And depending on what type of attack it is, you're basically just like responding with like, oh well, it's this type, and that I have to use speed art or I have to use the you know Shield defense art or, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's cool. I think I, I like they they kind of build it in, but yeah, it builds it as a narrative device. I think it's cool to just foreshadow a bunch of stuff early on to the player. Um, and really, I think like as a big JRPG, it just teases like the scope of the game in a fun way, right? Absolutely. Like it just shows a bunch of locations and characters and stuff that you have no idea or context for at the time, mm-hmm. um, because you just start off in this Holmes village and you don't, you're not aware of like other races that exist and that stuff. And like, I really yeah, like the progression. No. Yeah. But I love the progression through that. You meet all these different, people of the bionis and the mechonis and um yeah it, it turns out uh, really cool so um me too i love i love the lord of the rings moment it's very lord of the rings this game to me that you have yeah, all, yeah. all three races your homs scientia not yes you know your humans <laughs> elves and dwarves like uh-huh. fighting the mechon slash telethi at the end it's it's fun yeah no it, it very much maps onto that idea um and uh, <laughs> the knobon is so dumb like it's so it's funny stupid. that like Xenoblade decided to have their Chocobo uh, or Moogle, and uh, and theirs are just like little fucking potato people. Like, like this is the mascot like, w- with wings and hands. It's it it kind of yeah. When you actually look at their design, it's it's a little bit weird because like they have yeah. arms on the side of their like bodies, but they use uh-huh. their, like weird ear wing things to actually yes. like, pick up stuff. It's it's, it's right. It's strange. <laughs> It's, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, they're a, they're a mainstay now, right? Like they are in every game. Like, in- Ugh, unfortunately, <laughs> including X, right? Like, don't forget, X is like not. I, no one has no one has managed to connect X, but uh, to the series. But there's, I feel like they're going to do something. What's the one's name in X? Is it Tatsu? I've um, heard Tatsu is it's like Tatsu. abysmal. Uh, yeah, Tatsu's uh, Tatsu kind of sucks. Uh, I think there's lots of Nopon that suck. Uh, Tora in Xenoblade Two is like a misogynist piece of shit. Like a, a lot of them are. Uh, they have they have problems basically. <laughs> like uh, I think Ricky, except Ricky, man. You know what? Ricky by the end of the game, I was I was yeah. I was down for Ricky. I was cool yeah, with Ricky yeah. by the end, but yeah, Rick, Ricky's <laughs> everyone else. cool. He he has like a couple of fun moments, like and and he has like one of those somber moments, like on the beach when he's like chatting with Dunban. Like I think talking to Dunban, yeah, that's some good stuff there with him. I I, I do like Ricky and his heart to heart. Some of them are are genuinely like pretty touching. Yes. If you can get them, that is, by doing the affinity, yeah, which, like, yeah. I, I think that's probably one of the drawbacks of the affinity system, is, like, the heart-to-hearts being tied to it, and, like, them being so hard to do. A little too hard to grind. A little too annoying, yeah. Um, so I definitely recommend, like, just looking those up. But I, I do hope that they're going to do more voiced ones. It seems like 3 is going to have, like, more voiced heart-to-heart stuff going on, because... Um, yeah, 2, two they're not voiced, right? No, but Future Connected, uh, Future Connected has voice heart to hearts. Which I I really just cool. started um, playing that um, before we okay. we started. I played about an hour of it. Those heart to hearts are nice. like, long as hell. <laughs> They're like yes. five minute yeah. cutscenes, which I was not expecting. They're really long. Um, 
and i think maybe because it's the reduced cast in that game there's only like four characters who can interact yeah. with each other maybe five if you include ricky's one of the kids. other characters in there <laughs> um yeah ricky's kids uh they're weird of course uh classically but um but i hope that three because in, in three it seems like they're like sitting at campsites together and like chatting a bunch so i hope they do a lot more of that but um yeah i mean like uh i guess what other kind of beats stood out to you as you went through the game i think like metal face is like the first um kind of big antagonist you go up against like after zord zord is like kind of an introduction character um Mm -hmm. which i was telling you about the fun thing about zord is if you do a side quest in colony nine i think it's a side quest that requires you to have level four stars or something with Mm -hmm. with the colony so it's one that's really hard to get but he is actually one of the blacksmiths from the colony who has become you know a uh basically um which is a really cool idea because he has a giant hammer because he was a blacksmith right um and yeah that that happens quite a lot in the game with uh you know the face mech on obviously connecting back to previous characters like gatto and and with obviously with metal face and um i do love that the trio at the beginning with dunban and um fucking dixon uh, and dixon and mumcar yeah and how relevant all three of them are to like the driving plot of the game like it's particular dixon (laughs) yeah yeah for sure that's that's a big turn but um yeah i do i do think like the first kind of 30 hours let's say before you get up to Aerith sea is a lot of kind of set up of the world and like introducing you to places and stuff there's there's probably not as much kind of plot happening there um but i think it's when you get to like well we were we were talking, there's a very distinct, like, halfway through point in this game where right yes. after Prison Island, it's like, okay, you're on part two. And, uh, it, it, I mean, I'm sure they did this intentionally, but it kind of makes sense because obviously the final, the final bit of the game takes place on Prison Island as well. So it's kind of yes, returning exactly. to that area. Yeah, yeah, totally. When it's all just like, uh, I think it falls into the top of the Bionis, doesn't it, at some point? Um, it's um... They, like, raise it up over the Bionis's head, I think. Yeah. And then you go to space, because it's an RPG. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, I, I think that, like, that's kind of the point at which everything kicks off in terms of, like, driving plot stuff, right? Like, it, it was, the aura it was, is revealed, yeah. and... Uh, mum you fight mumcar and and you obviously he kind of falls down which by the way you can find mumcar's uh crushed dead uh um mechon body on the fallen arm if you explore like there is a uh, section dead. by the beach um well his you know his uh his his mechon is just basically crushed uh on the fallen arm wait um, how because it doesn't in one of the final cutscenes that you see like mm-hmm. Otharon and Juju because you know an old man and a child are apparently are yes. like the uh, the main defense force of the Hans. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> they're yeah. fighting Telethi yeah. at the end. Um, yes. and then you see what I thought was like metal face Mumkar's mech. No, I think it was just a bunch of other face mechon like models. They're just normal face mech. Okay. Yeah, the face okay. mechon just modeled after him. I think is probably the case, but um, but yeah, I mean, when he falls off the uh, the um, Mechonis sword uh, down underneath, you basically oh, so if, when dead, you fall dead, to the then. fallen arm, he's dead. Dead. Yeah, he was crushed. Like <laughs> yeah. you, but you find you can find his corpse on the fallen arm, which is a really cool touch. Like you can go over there and see it. That's crazy. I never noticed that. Fallen arm is one of my favorite areas. I really like that area. Yeah, that is for me like top maybe three locations in a video game is the fallen arm mm-hmm. just this very idea right that these two titans are battling for millennia and you know there's this final fight that happens and one gets his arm cut off and the other one like embeds its sword in the other yeah and then they're just frozen in time for like hundreds of thousands of years and life just like forms on them mm-hmm. and 
part of this is like an island which is that hand that was cut off that is now a habitable space for um these these other people to live which is amazing i i recommended you go and try and find like that secret spot up on the um the digit i did find that that was very cool yes uh gives you an incredible view like the views in this game are just absolutely stunning like there's one especially I on think Switch. in the um yeah but the waterfall area in magna forest uh you can find like a hidden alcove that you can basically just dive into the um the big basin before the waterfall um but that one uh, gives you an amazing view so many places you can get amazing views a bunch in the uh, valak mountain as well yes yeah valak mountain's really really good um but yeah uh, it, yeah the the music is is definitely like i think that a lot of the overworld music is is great so but good. for me a lot of the um a lot of the music that sticks with me is actually music from cutscenes. um my so my favorite moment in this game is the bananas cutscene uh, near the end where Dixon uh, obviously reveals himself and shoots Shulk in the chest. Yeah, shoot Shulk. <laughs> uh-huh. Um cuz shit pops off there. Basically like it's I think this is the one where Maynith also like basically uh, takes control of Fiora and you're mm-hmm. fighting as Fiora against Zanza yes, and then they just yeah. go fucking soaring through the sky and um Tragic Decision plays which is my favorite song of the game and mm-hmm. it is uh it's pretty fucking incredible it's it's so so good. Yeah, that's that's an insane cutscene. <laughs> that cutscene uh-huh. so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I knew something was up with with Dixon because they again they hinted that pretty heavily. I'm like, okay, he's he's yeah. tied up in all this. You see him talking with Melia's weird ass stepmom, who honestly she kind of sucks. She's probably the worst villain for me. She, she's yeah, just yeah. sort of irrelevant. Um, mm-hmm. And Alvis, and you're like, okay, there's there's something weird going on because I kept telling you too, like there there's there's some fuck shit going on with Alvis. <laughs> Obviously, uh-huh. I could not have predicted uh, exactly what was going on with Alvis, and I'm not even sure I completely yeah. understand it. But um, there's um, there's a little more to be talked about with Alvis. I yeah, I was going to tell heard. you about it. Yeah, you're going to tell you about it. But um, I think if you're going to play two, then it might be better not to say anything. They basically changed a part of his um, his character design in the original game. He has a key around his neck. Yeah, someone told me to look at his necklace. I don't know exactly what that means. I kind of never noticed that, but I'll I'll have to take a look because i i was told to pay attention to that i've also seen people mention klaus or claws a lot as well i'm assuming it's klaus so i yes I'm assuming he slash sansa have something to do with two i don't know yeah. exactly what but it's really interesting because takahashi when two was coming out was like not connected at all this is a brand new universe brand new setting right um and then you get to the end of two and you're like you motherfucker like <laughs> this, this is so connected like in a way that like makes it very clear why I wouldn't say okay. I wouldn't say very clear why three is happening, but like I can see the pieces that lead up to three, basically, of why these two worlds kind of like collide in a way. Um, mm. So yeah, it's it's definitely very interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, maybe we'll just talk. I, I could just go through like characters and stuff like that, sure, and like yeah. what kind of standout moments. Um, I think shulk obviously being the central part of this story has a uh, an interesting backstory of like he was. He was basically just a child of circumstance of like he was taken he was at Valak Mountain with this patrol and he was basically the closest to the sword and so Zanza was like well uh, I guess I'm just gonna pick you and I'm just gonna bring you back to life so Shulk is basically dead but Zanza basically possesses him to give him life um, right and then uh, yeah obviously like 
removes himself from shulk but shulk i don't know through the power of friendship survives yeah, he's, he's still alive again or whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um yeah i don't know how do you feel about shulk as a protagonist like he's 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 pretty chipper you know he's a jrpg protagonist but he he screams well you yeah know? but he's he not rex you know <laughs> yes <laughs> like, yeah no rex sucks you... rex objectively bad um, yeah no shulk, shulk i think is a pretty good protagonist he gets some really nice moments and he is he's i mean he's kind of chipper like he you know he's definitely like the, the glue for the group obviously but in the very beginning it's like you expect them to be like oh power of friendship blah 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 but it's it's really not power of friendship it's more like we will destroy anything that's in our way for revenge which is like oh okay, yeah it's a little darker than i expected you know um no i, I think i think schultz is quite a good protagonist he has a lot of personality, but enough, you know, typical Japanese thing where it's like still enough mm-hmm. where you can kind of insert yourself into him a little bit. Um, he's not my favorite character, but he's one of my favorite characters, I'd say. Shulk, Shulk is really good. Um, he has kind of the the obliviousness, right, of like uh, clearly doesn't know that Fiora is into him. Yeah, but they, they make it a character trait which i i like it's not it's not exclusively that he doesn't know that fiora is into him it's also just like you know there's this scene at the beginning of the game that they play again at the end where she's like giving him food and she's like i don't Uh even like does this man have taste buds (laughs) what's even going on there it's great i love everything you make basically yeah 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 yeah. so do it same with her haircut at the end he's like yeah she's like shulk make a decision man yeah he's just like i don't know i like it both ways it's nice uh yeah he he has that energy but but i i like that because it's not just one of those things where it's like okay you have weird asexual not trying uh-huh. to say asexual people are weird, but I think no, you understand no. what I'm saying. You have yeah, a, yeah. a weirdly asexual protagonist who is probably not actually asexual, who's just completely oblivious to everything that's happening. But they yeah. kind of make it an actual character trait and something that other characters acknowledge. So yeah, it totally. makes it more you know tolerable to me than Luffy from One Piece or what you know a million different anime characters. Yeah, totally. Um, I think uh, Ryan is Ryan is Ryan's a fun a kind of like side side character. Um, he he's a good Samwise Gamgee, right? Like he's not yeah. you know the main driving force of the narrative or anything, but he's his buddy, and he gets a couple of really nice moments. He gets a few with Charla. Their relationship's yeah. a little bit weird, I think, but I think it's less weird that it becomes you know clearly romantic, and more that like it's romantic from the second she sees Ryan. Like right, as soon yeah. as she sees Ryan, she's like, "Oh, Gatto, Gatto, Gatto! You're just like Gatto, Gatto was uh-huh. this, blah blah blah. You're gonna help me take care of Juju, right?" And Ryan is like, "Oh, what? <laughs> we just met. <laughs> Who is this lady? Yeah, yeah. what is she doing?" <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely, I think he has like a good kind of groundedness to him. He's also he's always like telling yeah. Shulk to tell the group uh, about stuff that is up in his head. I, I like that they set that up early. Actually, I think it's early in the minds where Shulk is having visions, and Ryan's like, "Come on, man, Very you gotta spit early, it out." Yeah. Oh, we're all gonna die if you don't um yeah so so i think he's he's a good kind of grounding force and has some fun um like interactions with a lot of the party so i you know i'm here for yeah. ryan it's it's always ryan time uh on my clock it's always so, ryan time uh, alley you yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> he's, he's good he's, he's a good dude um yeah charlotte is very much like a she's kind of whatever. i what happened to gatto i need gatto where's gatto that's basically her most of her character i really wish yeah i wish they gave her more character than just gatto 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 because the yeah. i mean the female characters in this game i think are, are quite well written for the most part um in yeah particular generally. fiora and melia but yeah charlotte i mean charlotte's not like a bad character she's just she's just kind of there which is disappointing yeah because she yeah. gets a couple of moments that I really like. Um, 
at the end, right after the whole prison island sequence where Melia kind of starts to really realize that she has feelings for Shulk, um, Charlotte has like a very nice little conversation with her being like, I'm yeah. on your side. Like I support you guys. Like, you know, let's find Fiora, but don't, you know, don't let Shulk forget about you. Come along with uh-huh. us. I'm like, that's, that's a really nice moment. I wish they could have explored their friendship more, but they don't really ever do that. Yeah, or at least, like, done a bit more with the dynamics of, of Melia and Shulk and, like, having Charlotte involved in that, but they don't yes, really... Yes. It feels like because everything starts exploding near the end of the game, they don't really have time to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, they, there's there's this one cutscene, I think, where, like, Fiora and Shulk, like, walk past, and Melia's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, and, and then, like, yeah, she very Poor clearly Melia, sees that she's out of it, yeah. Um, yeah, Melia... Probably like one of the best characters in the game, but also She's like my man, the writers don't like her at all, do they? Like, okay, so no. first of all, she, first of all, she loses her entire troop of uh, dudes who are guarding her. Um, then right. she uh, has to go through this trial, uh, betrayed by her fake mother-in-law and her whatever sister who tries to murder her. Um, mm. Then her father gets uh, killed on the top of Prison Island. Right. Um, then her brother gets turned into a Telethia and, like, absorbed into... Along with all of her people. Along with her entire her race of people, <laughs> except for the ones who have half Hom's blood because of the entire thing, where they basically... Really interesting plot point, actually, of this idea that... Yeah, I, that, that I did not expect at all. That, that was right. a cool moment. Yeah, where like the the elder kind of Hyentia decided in order to save later generations from the DNA of the Telethia um, happening, they basically diluted the bloodline in order to have that half part of the DNA so that they wouldn't transform into Telethia and would be able to survive. Right, um, which is why they have like the smaller wings. Right, it's like a. It's also why Melia is is chosen as Empress because you see like yes. in the tomb they say she'll be the last Empress, which she is. Mm-hmm and uh that like she's the only one that can do it and it's because she has half hom's blood that she's not gonna turn into a yeah. telethi it's 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 a cool little moment yeah i like the way they set that up and i think i understood it a lot more like going second time through of, of mm. aether and like how that stuff all plays into it and yeah it's really interesting like this this very idea that like zanza basically created the high tier as a race to morph into this other thing that act as guards defenders of its it's like basically um like bacteria uh on in a body to like kill viruses yeah. almost right like, like white, white blood cells almost yeah yeah to to go around and like murder everything else on it to like reset almost and i yeah i don't know how many times that has happened throughout history um of zanza basically resetting the clock almost on humanity but um, he said it's happened many times so we don't yes. I mean, we don't really know um but yeah and I don't know if yeah. that's all, like, before the big fight happens with the McConnus or not, or, like, you know, how long this universe has really existed for. Time is not really kind of um, addressed in that way, I think, throughout it. But uh, but it is Earth, yeah, I think, which uh, was kind of a cool reveal. Uh-huh. You know? I always yeah. thought it was, like, a different universe, but then you go to space, yeah. and it's like, Jupiter, Mars? Wait, what is happening here? <laughs> that moment at the end of the game where you're, like, going through the planets is like, what the fuck are you doing, game? What is happening here? Like, it's, it's so cool, though. I love that moment. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really cool. Um, Dunban is a great character. He's one of my favorites, oh, I think. I, I love Dunban. Um, Gotta love a mentor character that doesn't just, you know, yes. die in the, in the beginning, like, spoilers, fucking Gramps does <laughs> in Xenoblade yeah. 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He actually joins along, and it, I don't know, he, he even kind of describes himself as like, I'm sort of the adult, like, protector of the group at one point. Yeah, no, Dun, Dunvan's a, he's he's a pleasure. 
yeah there's there's a great kind of like he has uh interesting relationships throughout because obviously dixon and mumcar and uh, those are like really interesting and big betrayals for him but also obviously yeah, i mean that's his ryan and fiora yeah, and Fiora is his sister as well. So, like, there's right. this interesting, like, relationship that means he has with Shulk and, uh, you know, all, all the other kind of party members. And he, he also, has... like, um, has kind of dad energy, like, talking with Ricky as well. Like, I think yeah. there are a lot of interest. He, like, fits throughout the group quite well, generally. There's there's a conversation. I don't remember if it's a heart-to-heart or a, a cutscene. I think it's a cutscene. It's, maybe it's the one with Ricky where he talks about where he's, like... Um, Dunban, I think, is like 32 or 33 or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It's the classic and... like Japanese thing of like Oren in Final Fantasy X is like 30, but he's treated like the oldest man of all time. Well, um, sure. Very, but, y- very you know. much uh, a trope, but yeah. But but he talks about where he's he's like 30s, like early 30s, and um, Shulk, Ryan, and Fiora are all 18, uh, yeah. and, and their parents died. We don't get a ton of backstory because it doesn't particularly matter, but their parents yeah. died when they were very young, so... You know, with him being basically twice her age, uh, he he always felt like more of a father than a brother to Fiora, right. which is kind of an interesting dynamic between the two. And he says, like, if you know, if Fiora was to ever be in a relationship with anyone, I always wanted it to be you, Shulk, which yeah is cute. I guess gives his blessing. You know, it's, yeah, it's nice. Um, and yeah, so, so yeah, Dunban's fantastic. I I love all the kind of interactions he has. Um, and Ricky, obviously, their kiss is very cute. By the way, Shulk and Fiora. Yeah, That's a sweet uh, on moment. on the beach. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, going finding the water and uh, you know reviving her. That's yeah, very very cool. Yeah, basically doing CPR. And her first words were like, "Yeah, oh, it's my first kiss." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 very very well done. And um, I think Ricky is again. He's like one of the characters you can kind of say is a bit throwaway in terms of he's the joke comedic relief. But I think there's a bit more like to Ricky, especially when you compare him to other novels on in the series i mean yeah he's a father he's like 40 years old too yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh has like 200 children or whatever and yeah. uh, constantly is getting berated by his family uh and stuff like yeah. that which is it's funny um yeah i think he's he's a goofball but... right and he becomes the the Harrowpon, like the hero of frontier village because he's in debt. yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah he has to do it he has to like pay <laughs> it off basically. pay a debt off yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, R- Ricky. Ricky's pretty great. He's he's annoying in the beginning, but I, I think you do sort of. I came around on Ricky. I thought I was going to be like pissed off by him the entire game, but he's pretty fun. And honestly, his cutscene when he's like fishing with uh, uh, Sharla and Ryan at the very end uh-huh. of the game that that was that was very cute. <laughs> it's <laughs> that great. Was a funny yeah. moment. Yeah, I love that ending theme as well. Like the music that plays uh, in that so final cutscene is 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 amazing. It's it's really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then Fiora, I guess Fiora is really interesting, obviously, because she uh, you yeah. know dies and then comes back, and um, and then she has this whole thing with uh, her body, Weird like obviously, mech. yeah. Um, which I told you, I think I told you I liked her design, which I did until I put uh, another piece of armor on her, <laughs> uh-huh. and then it became yep. closer to like a Xenoblade Two character. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the closest. Not quite, it gets not with quite her, as bad. Not quite no. as bad, but but and, I f- and, it know. feels like a lot of her like mech on armor is designed in that specific way, uh, which you know, yeah. you know, I get it, but. You know, it's uh, it's what they're gonna do. Um, yeah, I yes. think there's more interesting like ideas around her sense of self and identity and like her body, like and and whether that makes her still Homs or whether it's like what do, what defines you. 
yeah what defines you as yeah. human like i like transhumanism is a fan, fascinating subject i think and i think For they sure. um they kind of like touch on it um with her at least which is very cool um although i don't know i don't know how i feel about them kind of like undoing it all at the end i guess Shulk kind of has the power of a god so he can do whatever he wants but um yeah, yeah. i had yeah. a feeling it was coming but yeah. you know i don't know i think sense. it would have sort of been more interested if she stayed as as like a machina but i don't know yeah yeah for sure i i think like the the way that she gets tied up with lady maineth is also really fascinating and the kind of um maineth is great maineth's a really cool character yes yeah i think that for me the reveal that the mechon are not the kind of race of people who live on uh Mechonis, but there is actually a mechanical uh, uh form of life called machina um when you get to the fallen arm village and like meet them and uh, uh just figure out what's cool. going on yeah uh, it's it's really cool yeah and, and i think that's part of the reason it's one of my favorite areas in the game is like that reveal of of them as like a uh, and basically the other side of this war that you know the homs didn't know about or anyone really knew about they just basically mm-hmm. saw the the mech on as just pure mechanical creations but this other form of life exists uh that are the the machina and yeah. are basically decimated and you know egil's entire like uh identity and sense of self i mean that's it that's his whole people right there in, yeah. in the hidden village like that's it right yeah, and then his dad asked you to go kill him, <laughs> which yeah. is which is a thing. Uh, certainly, like uh, uh, interesting. I love the dad. He doesn't get like a ton, but he's, he's no very funny. His voice. He's just like this good. massive dude. It's like he's okay, huge. I like and this his, guy. His, like I don't even know who the hell he'd be talking about. But like when you first see him, and I think Ryan or something's like, "Whoa, you're huge!" And he's like, "Oh, yeah. oh I love meeting people for the first time. Love hearing them yeah. say that." It's like, yeah. <laughs> Who are you seeing this yeah. frequently? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. I do. I like him a lot. And it's it's also interesting of like... Well, they're also like thousands of years old, right? Yes. Yeah. But yeah. like Dixon seems to be an old friend of his. So like that probably like clocks on as well. Like, hmm, I guess Dixon has been around for a while. Dixon and Alvis, they they get around. <laughs> Those yeah. Two. They know everybody. They definitely <laughs> do. They, they, yeah. I mean, you know, they're uh, the support squad for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so so I guess like there are obviously a bunch of other like Egil is an, a really interesting villain. Eggle's like I, I like him as a villain a lot. Uh, his his entire like motivation of his like, and this is an interesting thing about Future Connected. So Future Connected is the the landmass that you're exploring, the Bionis shoulder area is an area that was originally going to be in the base game right but they had to cut cut. it for time constraints um you can actually see it in one of the cutscenes when they're talking about the past of the bionis you see the telethia like fly over it so that you could see it was gonna intended to be part of the game and they had like these huts that were like a certain size that implied that the giants lived there so there was i think originally going to be that's where the giants were and obviously the only giant we see in the game is arglas who's actually zanza because zanza has obviously like kind of taken control of him um but uh yeah eggle's entire uh, driving motivation of the monado basically overtook his friend arglas the giant who then was basically um you know poisoned by zanza and you know uh overtaken by him and they had to lock him away and everything but like he was the driving force between that first attack on the mcconis and uh mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I like that kind of backstory and um, you know how long Egil has been around for, and like ha- having to see the des- destruction of his people as a result of uh, of Zanza is uh, it's interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, Eg- Egil's great. You you can kind of see just the more you find out about him that there's probably going to be a flip to him being like yes. good guys, but it's still it's still really well done, and their their conversation at the very end and 
how he ends up like controlling the Mechonis basically just to I don't know, make it so that they can get out and life can continue mm-hmm. living. It's it's a it's a noble sacrifice. Egil is cool, and he has a very yeah. strange, almost robotic voice, but it kind of works weirdly. <laughs> yeah, cool. I think so. Yeah, there's. Um, I I do like. It's also. I, I think the game does a really good job of like having these individual characters that almost represent like parts of the wider um kind of like uh people who exist on the bionis like having kallian almost as a representative of all the hyantia and you have atharon and and juju he's great i like kallian a lot as well yeah like just kind of pulling together the forces like the when they kind of like mount an offensive at the end like all the forces like going towards the mechonis and then like the when Egil starts moving the sword and all the people on Sword Valley, you just see bodies just start falling. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. fucking they really go for it in that sense. Um, it uh, doesn't hold back uh, no. when it comes to to like the the full scale of of the conflict basically and how how much it affects like everybody because like every strike that happens on the Bionis is like murdering a bunch of people, right? Like yeah. it's 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 pretty dark. Uh, definitely goes places. Um, so yeah, I I think that's really. I cool. was so excited to see. Dunban's form at the end because as soon as it's like oh I've been Zanza's, Zanza's disciple it's like okay so you're not a Homs I want to see what your actual form looks like you uh, Dixon you mean yeah. yeah Dixon Dixon yeah yeah yeah, um, That's kind of fun. yeah. yeah it's great. It, it's a cool <laughs> unfurling right of like the disciples like Zanza I think that the twist with Zanza is really nice because originally Zanza you think is well you think Zanza is the giant not yes like... exactly yeah um, you think he's the one who's been hidden away. You don't really know who Zanza is, um, and no. then you see him, and he... They keep saying, like, heir to Zanza, like, you know. Yes. And, and at one point, Egil calls Shulk Zanza, and, like, yeah. Shulk has no idea what that means. I, and, right. With further context, it makes a lot of sense, obviously. But, exactly, But yeah. still. Um, yeah, because he... Because I think it's Metalface who throws the... Um, the spear that kind of skewers uh, Zanza, uh, yeah. or Arglis as Zanza. Um, uh, but yeah, there's the, there's a famous line where he's like, let the shackles be released! And he's just like holding <laughs> yes. his arms up and basically gives you like access to more powerful Monado. Monado too. Um, yeah. Which also kind of gets him to get his claws in a bit deeper into Shulk uh, and, and mm-hmm. control him a little bit more, um, which is just uh, really interesting stuff. So like Shulk almost creating his undoing by freeing zanza or like uh, unchaining him and um mm-hmm. it's because of like how long it's been how much time has passed like no one really knows who this guy is what's happened why he was locked away um right. and so yeah i think the idea at the end that no the real enemy was like the the entity that was controlling the bionis all along i think is just a nice inversion um and like right near the end yeah when, you know you're having that final conflict with egil and it's like well this is the main villain it's like no actually let's flip everything on its head actually dixon was in on it this whole time um and was driving shulk to defeat egil because egil is the enemy of zanza so mm-hmm. uh yeah it's, it's it's really cool again it's it's not like you know the most revolutionary narrative twist that no. it's like oh the you know the bad guys ended up being the good guys and vice versa but uh-huh. it, it just it works really well it, the, the it's game just, just effectively done right like yeah. It's, it's like yeah. the pacing of it and the way that it um is just kind of feels and the characters are just all so likable even again if they're not most of them like ryan is not the most complex character in the world but he's just like no. uh he's just pleasant on screen and, and you enjoy his presence so i don't know just yeah. just the the story in this game as i said it's it's just firing on all cylinders it's not gonna like 
blow your mind and change your life mostly. Oh, actually, maybe the the ending is is a little crazy. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But um, for the most part, it's not gonna like you know change your perspective on media. But it's it's very very just well done. Yeah, totally. And I mean, like all all the kind of stuff about gods and um, it's it's very Takahashi is very interested. That stuff is quite interesting. Yeah, he's very interested in theology and like Christian theology specifically, and I think a lot of his games kind of touch on these ideas and themes. And um, yeah, Xenogears in particular, I've heard. I I kind of yes. you know I loved how they handled it at the end for the most part, but. I, I just wish there was more of it because that I I yeah. live for that kind of stuff. Um, totally, and I I think that three is probably going to dig in, in in ways like that. That's what it seems like. It seems like two. There's basically none of it until the very end. Probably, yeah, but... yeah, kind of. Um, I don't know. It's yeah, that's that's a weird game. But yeah, uh, there's more. I, you know, blushy crushy or whatever. And uh huh. Yeah, no, there's a lot of that for sure. Um, yeah, are there any other like moments that stood out to you, or like areas that you really enjoyed exploring? Like, what what parts of the game like stick out to you a lot? At first, Valak Mountain kind of annoyed me because it's okay, very vertical. Uh, yes, and there's lots of paths that sort of intersect on top of each other. So yeah, the map is not great for um, navigating Valak Mountain. Yeah. I would say, and and there's not enough waypoints. I would say on that map, but the actual like twists and turns you find on valak mountain are super super cool um i did you ever reach the peak of valak mountain uh i think i did with like the um the springs that shoot you super high there's literally like a there's literally like a ski slope where you like slide down and you have to jump yes. to, to get uh -huh. to the top that was super super the, cool there's like weird platforming in this game yeah that's like one of those moments where you mostly in valak mountain because yeah. there's that other, there's that like slide that like Mario sixty four esque like slide. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's... I love the idea of it, but the way the movement engine is in this game, it doesn't particularly work super well. It's not really built for it, is it? Um, <laughs> no. I well, I'll always take a jump button in a game. Like I will always prefer that oh, because sure. it feels like it gives you a bit more control. And also, I like jumping off of things in Xenoblade. Like the the distance you fall is is amazing. I just wish there wasn't fall damage because it's yeah. fun to jump off stuff. I know X doesn't have fall damage, which seems yes. fun. Um, yeah. So I really like Valak Mountain, in particular at night. It's gorgeous with the like uh, kind of orange lights all over the place. Um, For sure, yeah. Where else did I like Fallen Arm? Mm -hmm. uh, Satoral Marsh is I love beautiful Marsh. at night. Gorgeous yeah. at night. Um, it's like it's like you're walking through like Aurora Borealis or something. It's it's yeah, super cool. It's amazing how it's done. Um, that's another area where I think there could have been couple more waypoints in particular there's that one super long quest chain with like the knop on on the hill and there's no uh -huh. waypoint right next to him so you have to keep right. doing like a two or three minute walk just to talk to him and get the next quest which doesn't sound that yeah. bad but when you're doing it like seven or eight times it's it's just a little bit annoying um yeah this, that, the side quests in this game are uh are weird like they're they're very um kind of by the numbers i would say like there are some with some interesting like side narratives that you can go down but i, I i'm gonna be honest i kind of like skimmed through all of it i didn't yeah. really read any of it uh yeah, I, sure. I i have heard there's a few that are fun like the red pollen orb stuff and whatever, yeah the, but... the kind of drug dealing knop on that's a fun <laughs> one um, <laughs> yeah but yeah aside from that there's not a lot going on i missed that i i was watching a chugga connery let's play because i was yeah. sort of doing the grind for endgame which that's another thing we can talk about um uh-huh but uh yeah i i saw that there's like a secret area in alchemoth you can go to and like um there's like the knob on drug dealers and stuff. I didn't I didn't get to any of that, which was unfortunate. And I was doing it after Makana's core where 
Alchemoth is kind of closed down. That's another we forgot to mention Alchemoth. Alchemoth is Alchemoth's super super amazing. super cool. That that is the moment where I was really sold on the game. I was having fun up until then and I was kind of mm-hmm. pushing on cuz like I wanted oh, you know, I've seen all this stuff about Donban and Ricky and Melia and stuff, but I'd never played as them uh from the amount that I played on 3DS. So I was excited just to unlock them and see how they play. But once you get to Alchemoth, it's like Wow, there's actually like politics and and uh-huh. things going on here. It's it's super cool. Yeah, that that entire like space is so it like it is like the height of technology, right? When you're comparing it to Colony Six and Colony Nine, and like you see the vast like difference in pro- progress, basically that the Hyantia have over the yeah. rest of the entire world. I mean, they're they're uh, essentially like, elves, and like pretty much they all are fantasy yeah. media. And, you know, classic fantasy trope of the kind of, like, highest class, highest, uh, you know, stature race, uh, you know, yeah. physically. Literally the highest, highest they're point. on the head yeah. of the Bionis. Yeah. yeah, right. I love the fact that the head of the Bionis is just a giant lake, basically. Like, there's just a bunch yeah. of water in there. So it's implied this brain is just, like, you're swimming in the brain juice of the Bionis, basically. I'm not, um, I will say, not the biggest fan of the Aerith Sea. I think it's, like an interesting idea but just like yeah. all the teleporters and stuff it's it's okay it's yeah it's... that stuff can get a little tricky and annoying um but um i i i, I did love just swimming around it because the scale of it is just astronomical it's just so mm-hmm. fucking huge in a way that like you could spend you know two hours just swimming around the perimeter it's that yeah. big um yeah. so yeah it's 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 great at presenting scale i would say um and you know having alchemoth as that kind of like gem in the center of it uh is is really good yeah lots, lots of good parts of that game my my least favorite area i would say and we talked about this a little bit um is i i'm not a huge fan of the mechanis it Same here. feels yeah. like a huge dungeon which it's like okay they they hadn't really had a, a very dungeony area the only other right. real dungeon area i can think of is the ether mines um yeah but uh i don't know it's just it's really long and it's very samey and it looks all the same it's it's not like horrible but it's it's i don't know it just feels like you have all these huge narrative beats going on and then you kind of got to grind this dungeon to continue on they split it into three sections and you would think they would visually distinguish them but like and they look identical m- basically no the the, the mcconnish like first area then the factory then agnaritha like agnaritha like is a little more interesting with like the dead telethia bridges and stuff like that um but yeah that, that's, at the end of the that's day, definitely the coolest part of the mcconnish but it's still yeah. very similar and i was really yeah. excited because you know I had heard you go to the Mechanis, which is not, you know, you kind of assume you would if you're going to have totally. this entirely other, you know, world next to your own. Um, and I was mm-hmm. excited to see, like, how they do, you know, beautiful Xenoblade, like, open world-esque landscapes, but, you uh-huh. know, sort of mechanical themes. But they don't really do that. It's just you're sort of climbing a tower inside the Mechanis. Yes. Yeah, and you do go outside, like, time to time and get elevator shoots to put you up there and stuff yeah. like that. And um, there's also um, the, the Godot fight, uh, which yeah. I... When I played Elden Ring, I was uh, fighting Radan. I was like, "Oh, this is just the Gado fight from Xenoblade," <laughs> um, which I thought was a funny. Like, I'm not sure how many people would have, uh, you know, related those two. But uh, what do you what do you mean by that? Uh, I, have you fought Radan in yeah, Elden Ring? Yeah. Yeah, so basically the Gado fight is you have to run, uh, you know, all the way to him. He's at the end of a giant fucking corridor. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The first, the first Gado fight, because you fight yes. him again. Yeah. 
Right, yeah, but the the first one, you basically have to run down this corridor, avoiding his beam, and... It's like a stealth section, almost. Yeah, you, you have, have to, like, to, like, fight minor enemies on the way, and, like... And hide behind the the little walls, yeah. Right, the future sight will pop up, so it gives you, like, a timer, almost, to get behind cover, and as soon as you get behind cover, it, like, kills it. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically... That's why I was saying it's like Radan, because you're trying to get towards him uh, while yeah. avoiding shots that he's kind of putting your way essentially it's it's so. an interesting little experiment i don't i don't love it but it was cool that they tried something new so this this yeah. is one thing i did want to mention um probably one of the the more negative aspects to the game for me um i i really like the combat system overall but the way that the combat system feels in this game and sort of just the manner that you fight enemies uh pretty much every enemy including bosses sort of feel like the same fight to me there's not too much variety in the in like the way or strategy that you'd use to fight enemies basically yeah you know enemies might have different abilities like they might have uh like spike where you have to use oh god spike fucking sucks i hate spike so bad yeah spike spike is really annoying or they might have like they might be resistant to break or something like that but for the most part the manner that you kill even just like your basic enemies it's going to be the same strategy that you use in boss fights where boss fights are obviously longer and more difficult um, but I, I don't know that, that was a little bit of a, a letdown for me. There's not yeah. too much variety between fights. There are a couple of exceptions. So the Lorathea fight in, in the Bionis center, the like mm-hmm. second to last area you go to is, um, it's a really hard fight for a lot of people, uh, partially yeah. because the AI is stupid and stands in the poison, but also because yep. she's, <laughs> she takes more damage from aether based stuff as opposed to other stuff. Um, it's much smarter to play as Melia and use Melia against her than any other character because it will just be a pain to take her health down otherwise. Um, so yeah, that's one where I definitely, the first time through had to switch up my strategy and play as a different character in order to yeah. get through her but um yeah you're right i don't think there's a and partially i think it's because like mmos are kind of like this as well in a way of like i think they do more of a job of you're dodging out of the way of different things and like you're looking for you know attacks that the boss is going to do on the ground and moving to different areas but really you're just doing the same kind of rotations every time of like yeah, this exactly. move leads to this move so it's just going to inevitably cause the same problem there, there's combos and you just like always like for shulk it was always like yeah shadow eye buff physical arts get it on off right. you break in the front um then go to the side, do slit edge mm-hmm. to air slash, then backslash, and it's just do that, repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah, which I would say Xenoblade 2 probably has the same issue overall. Like, a lot of it is building up these giant kind of, um, these orbs that kind of float around enemies and then just breaking those orbs. Like, I, I basically did the same... I've heard topple break is, is a lot more important in 2 than it is in 1. Because it's, it's definitely useful uh, yeah. in 1, but, like... If you don't have a, a break topple party, you're not like screwed, you know. Yeah, it's it depends. I I would say that two, like that's that's important to some degree, but actually two is far more important with its own systems of like the orb, like the elemental orb system and breaking mm-hmm. those orbs. That's where you do the big damage. Like by the end of the game in two, the final boss, I had a combo that did half his health in one hit and it was about two million damage in one hit um and and yeah you can really break that game in in fun ways but i see like you you were saying 
yeah but like you were saying it's it's generally the same kind of tactics you're using to get to that point every time like there's a little bit of variety to it because you're you're going down these different paths with each character of like okay i'm gonna use this elemental followed by this one followed by this one which will lead to this certain type of orb and then i have to use a different one so you have to kind of use a different set but i don't think each enemy has like particular weaknesses or things that you really Mm -hmm. have to exploit in that way so yeah it's not like persona where it's like you've got your almost pokemon-esque system with elements and stuff yeah very different uh, to that um so yeah any other kind of aspects of xenoblade one you want to uh, mention that we haven't haven't talked about yet i don't know i think a lot of the systems make sense once you sort of like once they click into place uh but yeah. you know like i was not talking to all the named npcs in a town which you should right. you really should do because it increases area infinity and not only that uh-huh. but like some quests won't open up unless you've had like baseline dialogue with an npc like then after you talk to them did you get far with the colony six stuff do you do much of that <sighs> no i i mean it, it that that's another thing the, the grind yeah. for those materials are frustrating and you can buy yes. them in definitive edition but you can't buy them until the very last portal like right outside right. the end of the game so yeah i don't know it was frustrating if i ever did like decide to go through new game plus or something i'll probably grind colony six because i know uh-huh. i think there's maybe particular like fifth skill trees for some characters or like arts manuals or something like that that you can't get without it so mm-hmm. I- i'll I'll consider it but i got everything to like level two or three and kind of okay. stopped there yeah yeah it's um it's one of those things i tried to do a bit more but yeah, yeah it's, it's i hard. will say the other thing that's frustrating about it so there will be some of those quests where like you need to collect X amount of item orbs. And when you have those quests, it will mark what item orb like you need to pick up. It's not just like a random guess blue item orb. There will be an exclamation point. So it's like, oh, this is, you know, prairie dragonfly or whatever you need for the yeah. quest. Which it doesn't do for the Colony 6 stuff, which is frustrating. Because some of those yes. items are really, really rare. And I found that really just... annoying. It was yeah. very frustrating doing that stuff. Um, yeah i wish you could track the colony six quest because every time you're like oh shit what did i need again you have to teleport back to colony six and talk to juju and look at all of it it's it's cumbersome yeah i I can't believe they didn't build that into the quest system it just doesn't make any sense to me but um i know because it there still is the system where you get a vision when you need to pick up a colony six item it'll say oh i need this for colony six so it's like okay i won't sell it but you still can't track it on the map or no it's it's yeah. frustrating. Yeah, it was even worse in the original because they didn't have yeah, any tracking stuff in the original. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was definitely an improvement. They should, should have gone the whole way with it, I think. As also, th- to... this is one of the biggest improvements I noticed from uh, the original to this, where instead of just like a little, you know, classic MMO, like arrow pointing at the top of the screen, you, there's actually like a path drawn so you can see how you need to get to each objective. That that was yeah really, really nice. I'm excited to go to two and have it be stupid arrow again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think 3 has a uh, navigational system they showed off, right, that does... Uh... Yeah, it does. And it, and you can actually... It's not just on the mini-map. You can, like, hit a button, and you'll see, like, footprints on the actual world, so you yes. don't have to just stare on the mini-map, which is, is really yeah. nice. That's uh, quality of life stuff that I like to see, for sure. Um... 3 looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe let's uh, let's uh, transition into talking about the, the other games in the series. You uh, said to me you bought two because you're like after playing one you're like two. i just need to just need to, to figure out what's going on with this this second game so um yeah have you started it or um are you intending to play it soon so i, I bought it physical i bought it okay. physical because i got one physical and i'm gonna get three physical so it's like i'd feel weird getting having one and three physical but not two. Uh-huh. 
So yeah, that makes sense. I got it physical. Um, I'm I'm lucky because there was a period of time for a little while where uh, two had actually the carts had gone out of like manufacture, so that none of them were being produced. Yeah, so, I remember that. Yeah, they'd go. You know, your normal sixty dollar game because you know Nintendo games <laughs> going on sale, dropping mm-hmm. in price. That's that's crazy. Um, your normal your normal sixty dollar game from five years ago uh, was up to like eighty five ninety bucks. Um, but I think there was another limited print that they did after Pyramithra got into Smash Brothers. So I got yeah, it for like the normal sixty. Um, so yeah, that was cool. One of my questions yeah. was actually going to be: um, I have heard that uh, the grind in the beginning of two is very rough. And I've heard you should get the the expansion pass anyway because it's like cheaper than buying Torna on its own, and you get some extra bonuses. And I've I've heard some of the like core crystals and stuff you get as the DLC items uh, helps like speed up the early game of two. So I don't know. Do you yeah. think I should just get the DLC right away so I can get like uh, those? I mean, core I played it. I played it at launch, and I didn't have. I mean, I beat it in ten days, as I said. So yeah. <laughs> I kind of burned through that game. I don't think I really had much of an issue. Like I did a little bit of core crystal grinding because you can do the whole like fishing yeah. under the in the cloud sea to get some crystals. And I, I'm not worried about struggling necessarily. It's more just like no. anything I can do to make that early game go quicker <laughs> yeah i mean you know you'll get some good like uh unique blades you should at least early on so i don't i don't think like the main game progression having good blades is like a big deal i think it's more of yeah. a collector's thing and obviously if you want to do all the blade quests I've, I've heard in particular yeah i've heard in particular fiora is like super strong her blade is like oh right eight. yeah yeah uh yeah all that stuff i have not messed with any of the like characters from the other games like elmer yeah. and stuff coming in I've, I've not tried any of that stuff because um all that all that came post-release um and yeah i i mean i think you can jump in fine uh and not have a problem uh i would say that uh Torna is obviously worth playing i think Torna's great uh really really enjoyed that but uh yeah i've heard yeah. really good um, yeah, I, I I think Xenoblade Two is just for me. I I really love it. I do think that in terms of music and like locations and stuff, it's still really great. It just character wise and story wise, it just doesn't hold up to the first game for me yeah, in any and way. Um, and design wise, yeah. I mean, you know, as we said, leaning into the worst of anime tropes, like Fiora's uh, outfits compared to Pyra and Mithra is like nothing, right? Like yeah. it is just not even a uh, question. So well, I mean, there's there's also like. Fiora, the I would I will say the camera does not like linger on it or anything like no, that. You know, no, like yeah. You know, there might be like a medium shot where you see like her torso, so right. you know, you can see her body, but there's no like ass and titty shots like there are with like Pyra. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not it's it's definitely you can tell the composition is 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 more focused on her as a character and not, you know, her assets, let's say. Sure. Um, so that's and which is not really the case with like there's a bunch of weird lewd stuff they do in two, so No, there there are literal like there are literal like ass shots in, in that game. Yeah. Or or yeah, very like deliberate. when you first see Pyra, you see her face and then the camera like zooms in on her breast. It's like, okay, uh-huh. I, I mean I see what you're doing. Game it's Yeah, it's... and like Rex, the first thing he does in that dream, she's like, touch, yeah, touch my, my chest. chest and he's just like, oh you know? <laughs> uh anyway, I think Rex is a very boring, bad protagonist and like I Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna hate him. 
yeah, he sucks. Uh, I think Nia is cool. But also, I said to you, I think Nia, she sounds like a 40-year-old Welsh woman, and she's like a looks like a 16-year-old girl, so it just yeah. does the match. It just feels so off to me, which is super weird. And there are some good... Like, Morag is great. I like Morag quite a bit. Like, there are some good characters. Yeah, I've heard Morag and Bridget are really good. There are good characters in there, but I think the ultimate, like, main plot is super convoluted, and, like, there's a lot of stuff about, like... There's these interrelations that... that makes sense to some degree and then they're just like a little bit weird and there's a lot of like flashbacks to this previous time and i don't know it just doesn't the torn of time it doesn't really come together for me as like a story on its own and only at the very end when they tie it into the first game was i like oh now i'm here for it now i'm but the only reason is because they do stuff with you know it's related to the first game that's the only reason i care I've so. also heard the final boss you fight like five times or something throughout the game. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, there's there's the kind of like big antagonistic group you come across a lot in the game. And so you do, yeah, you probably have quite a few few fights with that group generally and the people who are a part of it. Um, but yeah, I just don't think it's a very strong crew of antagonists, which I think is actually part of the reason why Xenoblade 1 is so great is because I think the antagonists, each section of the game, you have a really strong driving antagonist yes, with Metal Face at the beginning and then you have um, Eggill. Zord. Zord is really and, fun. Yeah, even, even Zord is like a primary like first one and, and then to Metal Face and then to Eggill and then to Zanza. Like it, it's really, yeah. it's a really great progression. Whereas... With two, it's just kind of like I don't know. These kind of these this dude is like he looks like a goth almost, and he's just like I'm kind of a dude, and I'm lame. I'm called Malos. Malos means bad in Latin, so that's why my name is yep. bad. Um, it's yeah. yeah it's, I've, I've heard he's the primary antagonist. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I look. There's some things to be enjoyed by two. Obviously, the battle system I think is fantastic. Uh, but I that's what I'm mostly excited for, and also just yeah, the the blade stuff and yeah i don't know man uh i i collect like magic cards and stuff so being able to yeah. gamble without spending yeah. actual money <laughs> you might yeah you might fall into that trap um i like it. i i will say that like the quests associated with those blades are I also often very frustrating and yep. there's there's like a gating system that is based around like certain skilled field skills that you have and yes, it's have it was this. like the it was the biggest bummer in the world because you would come across a thing and you'd be like, oh shit, a treasure chest. Oh, I have to have this specific field skill to use it. And not only are those field skills like impossible to acquire, but you have to switch out the specific blade that is equipped into to your party, party member right? into the party in order to have yep. that field skill activate. It is so fucking annoying. Like, why do they not just access it from any party member that if, if you even have the blade, if you own the blade, just let it happen. It is it's a baffling design decision. And... um yeah i think that's why three excites me because i think it's kind of just smoothing out a lot of the rough edges that two mm-hmm. basically brought to the fold um yeah because like the yeah. idea of field skills i think is really cool that it's like oh your party members actually have some utility like it, w- during exploration which is you know mm-hmm. the other main pillar of xenoblade you know if the three yeah. are like exploration combat and narrative um right yeah but th- just the way they handled it it, se- it seems completely nonsensical <laughs> yeah totally um but yeah you're playing two now and uh maybe we'll come back and do uh, another chat about it'll be soon i'm gonna play future connected first i think okay um, all right i i played about an hour of it and it seems fine i've i've heard a lot of people yeah. are not huge fans of it but i've i've everyone's saying uh, yeah. like, oh it's gonna be important for three so yeah kind of i guess i'll see we'll see how that goes uh but 
uh, I don't know. I it, I think like the end of it is important in just setting something up, but the rest of it is just kind of like a fun, good time, just going around this place and maybe I'll watch a cutscene then because I think I kind of yeah. want to. If I don't get to it before two comes in, like I kind of want to just get started on two because yeah. that's another long game. To be, to be honest with you, I don't know how important it really will be uh, in the grand scheme of things. I think it might just be more of a teaser than anything else. But yeah, we'll we'll see when three rolls around. But um, is Torna worth playing as well? Yeah, Torna. I would say Torna is a it's a more refined version of the combat system, actually, um, alongside being a more it's kind about of 20 like, hours i think i saw as well right yeah it's a smaller more personal story that also i think i wouldn't say gets bogged down but like you have to do a certain number of side quests to get to the main quest which is a weird thing With better designs i've noticed as well yeah. a lot of those character designs is like wow this looks like a, a person <laughs> yeah no no laura uh, i think laura was in the first in, in xenoblade 2 right you you see her at some point but mm-hmm. um she is definitely, uh, you know, far more well-designed female character. She's really cool, I've heard. Yeah, she's cool. Um, Jin, also interesting, and Adam, and all, all stuff going on with that, I think is... And Mithra. I've seen you get a lot of Mithra yeah. backstory, too. Yeah, totally. So, Torna has some good stuff in it. I, I enjoyed playing through it. I think it's it's perfectly uh, fine. I think, overall, it's, it might actually be a stronger package than Xenoblade 2 overall, yeah. put, all put together. Yeah. Um, it's just, like, toned down and just a bit more grounded, and I think that, that works to its advantage. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say Torna is is worth playing um but yeah i would say that uh yeah three is exciting i'm excited about three uh how how do you feel of like very clearly melia is in this game how does that happen uh also yeah. very clearly nia is in this game how the fuck does that happen so um yeah what are your what are your thoughts going into three and and, and uh yeah what do you, how do you feel about i it? don't know i'm so excited i watched that direct and that's kind of what made me decide to pick up um uh, definitive edition in the first place because it was always yeah. a game I wanted to get around to but I saw that direct and I was like man this looks cool it's like these these like characters only have 10 years to live or something like that yeah what, a, what an right. interesting concept it's I don't a know great setup um... it's, it's a really cool setup yeah and obviously there's lots of sort of similar where there's a war going on just like there is in one and you have sort yes. of Bionis versus Mechonis, but they're the two... I don't remember what the nations are called, but... I think it's Agnes, yeah. Keves, and Agnes, right? Um, yeah, not, that that sounds correct. And I saw the character designers like, oh my god, this character design doesn't make me like embarrassed to uh-huh. play this game in front of people. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's like uh, you kind of want that naive angel mode from Bayonetta three in every game now, yeah, right? right? Of like uh, you know, someone walks in the room and is like, oh, I can play Bayonetta three without people looking at it and, and me feeling embarrassed by playing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, um, me having to like explain to my friends that oh no 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 yeah. no you guys don't you don't get it. It's fine. She's just, it's her hair. You know, her hair is her power, yeah. so it just has to, you know, be removed from her body. Her hair is actually her outfit. Just wait till you hear Pyra's backstory, okay? Yeah. I know I, I know. Rex was just sleeping in Mithra's bed, but, like, it makes sense. Don't worry. Look, guys, you will be ashamed of your words and deeds because quiet, she breathes through her skin. Come yeah, on, exactly. guys. That's why she has to be practically naked. She breathes through her skin. It was so obvious. But, but you know what? I, I respect Kojima for that one because that dude just said, <laughs> like, fuck it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, so I, I can respect him for it. He wanted, he wanted like you know, an anime titty girl in his game, and uh-huh. he got it. Yeah, and yeah, it's he did good it. Good for him. It's a little bit different yeah. than Xenoblade, where with you know, blushy, crushy, and uh-huh. all the weird poppy stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tora just sucks. Every every cutscene I've seen, because uh, like I don't know, just I've been watching sort of while I was playing one, because I've just been so morbidly curious about two mm-hmm. for a long time. I was watching some of those like hour-long sort of analyses of of two okay um, and every single 
seen I've seen Tor and I want to like turn my headphones off. I I, uh-huh. I think yeah. I hate that character. And I haven't he even played fucking the game. sucks. He is a nightmare. Uh, should be destroyed. Yep, a terrible, <laughs> yeah. terrible character um, in every single way. Is he worse than Tatsu? Oh yeah, yeah. I think Tatsu basically just cooks for the most part and doesn't do too much offensive. Maybe. And haha, he's a potato, right? Like he's a potato. Yeah. Joke? Yeah, I think so. They yeah. want to cook him. Um, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of as far as Tatsu goes. As far as I remember, it's been a while since I yeah. played X. But um, yeah, yeah. I I'm really interested. He's not like a sexual predator. Or whatever, no, like no. Yeah, he is not. Uh, I'm interested in so t- to like talk about like some of the characters in three. It's very clear that part of this crew is Xenoblade One people, and part of this crew is Xenoblade Two people. Interesting. Uh, from really. from the idea that. So Noah and um, Uni and Lans are all clearly Noah's a Homs, Uni is a Hyentia. Oh, and right, Lans, right, right, yes. Lans is a uh, Machina yeah, slash. Yeah. yeah, I think he is. He's supposed Machina. to be a Machina. And he, then he's got the, the like purple skin. So right, and then the other side you have Senna, who's a Blade. You have uh, Mio, who is a uh, Mor- uh, or Morgotti. No, what I'm thinking of the boss from Elden Ring, Morgot. <laughs> uh, uh, Gormotti, sorry, Gormotti. That Gormot, Gormot is the continent where the weird cat Welsh people live, basically. So Mio is a Gormotti, and who's the third character on that side? Tyon. Uh, I don't think Tyon. I don't know if he has any like direct connection. He seems just like another regular Homs who who also exists from Xenoblade Two universe. But um, yeah, they're very clearly like both from those separate universes, and I'm just really fascinated on like how they kind of pull this all together um because i there are theories i have about how it could have happened but i also i feel like they're gonna have big reveals based around what happened here, which is why which is why i do think to some degree it's important to play too because it is like giving you half of the context for half of the nations in this game you know i i feel like like the way i was thinking about it tell tell me if you think i'm wrong i feel like the Mm -hmm. way to go into three is either like go into three blind don't have played one or two or play one and two because the more i learn about three it's like especially since you know how much i've played the or praised the original game saying it's it's probably in my top 10 now it's like okay i feel like if i'm gonna get half context i should just get full context because i'm sure you can you know i'm sure you can enjoy three and understand like 95 percent of what's going on without having played one and two but you know Mm -hmm. there's going to be all these little callbacks and blah 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 possibly some character stuff that will yeah enhance I mean, it the all, experience it all builds on each other like the end of two makes no sense if you haven't played one right Is that true? Like, okay no it doesn't it Okay, it may it makes some sense, but like you're gonna be like, what the fuck is? What are you talking about? What is this referencing? Like, I'm assuming Alvis slash Klaus is, uh, yeah, is is involved. Yeah, I mean, you'll see. Uh, it's 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 it definitely goes places, uh, and like you know, you know how the end of Xenoblade One ends, so like it goes places. Basically, the end of the end of these games. Uh, I mean that it's like you're not even supposed to have context, and you're still like, uh, okay, they're on a spaceship uh-huh. and. Monado is I, I mean, a computer, you know, maybe? I love I, <laughs> I love that concept, right? That this was our planet, this was the original Earth, and they just did a scientific experiment that went wrong and basically created another universe. Like yeah. and the two scientists who were part of that experiment became the gods two of this gods. universe. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. And it's also I like 
I like gods when they're flawed, right? Like with human flaws. And I think that's part of why people love the Greek pantheon of gods so much and, and all these kind of like mythological uh, representations of gods. But um, yeah, for sure. I do think that, uh, you know, the, the Zanza and Mainith kind of dichotomy is, is a really interesting one in, in the first game. And yeah, um, they stuff happens at the end of two. You'll see um, <laughs> when you get there. I'm excited. So, so. Is, is Torna, like, I'd like to play it at some point, but do you think mm-hmm. Torna is necessary to play before three? Probably not. From no, seen, no, but... I don't think so. Torna's more, um, Torna's more related to, like, the grounded, like, main story stuff, the backstory yeah. of the two narrative, whereas, like, the actual, like, big brain two narrative stuff is not really... I mean, that's the kind of stuff you want to know going into three basically mm. the, the kind of end game stuff so i hate yeah, rex's um, design by the way his stupid like his... diver outfit it looks so bad i just don't like the voice they went with for him i just don't think it works yeah uh, it's yeah. he looks dumb he sounds dumb like i just don't and like he is rex dumb <laughs> from what i've seen <laughs> he is dumb he is dumb but he okay so here's another interesting um wrinkle to like why melia and why nia like it's interesting like there's definitely reasons are they are they in the trailers to three because i didn't see melia uh so melia is so you know the mask that she wears when she does the ceremony or like her Mm -hmm. uh, duplicate does or whatever when she's leaving um that mask is what she's wearing in the trailer whoa Um, really that's all to go back or or at least like a mask like that uh and yeah you can clearly see nia as well and there's there's reasons I think. I mean, I did. There's like a faced Mechon ship at one point in three. I saw. Yes. It's like a, it's yes. like a some kind of like uh, junk. The junk is the name of one of the ships. Yes, junks. Yeah. <laughs> junks. I don't know why it's called that, but yeah, it was. It looked like one of those ships with like a faced Mechon head on top of it. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So those those elements like have bled in because it feels like mm-hmm. there's just parts of the world that have combined. I guess like the the Titans from one. I'm uh, sorry, the Titan the Titans uh, from two. Bionis, yeah. Titans from two and the the Baroness and Meconis from from one, and you clearly see the giant sword, uh, which is the Meconis sword, like just embedded mm-hmm. in in the background. So, yeah, I don't know how they they come to it, but I'm very very fascinated to find out and interested. Um, so yeah, not long to go, only about a week or so. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Also, man, the like UI and everything in that game so stylized too. Yeah it's it's very fluid like i think the general idea of moving away from the hot bar stuff from x and from the first game was a smart move like just I think so minimizing it, it down buttons. it makes sense yeah yeah it's it's really a smart way to deal with it and um there's almost like a rhythmical element to it in two and i wonder how much like that comes into it so but yeah you have a lot of characters you have like six characters you're going between so i think combat's going to be very very spicy but you have seven because you have six main plus the like one hero character that you can swap out which by the way i mean like shulk has to be a hero character at one point like i I don't i I haven't looked at leaks or anything but the the thing with this game is i have no idea like when it takes place like what is the time jump like how because like Melly is a high entia, so she can live an unnaturally long life, right? So, right. is it theoretically like a hundred years later, but she's still there because she? I guess Nia. I, I have had this spoiled to me. She can also theoretically live quite long. Too. Yes, yes, yeah. Um. So, but the other thing I was gonna say uh, was both Melia and Nia were like uh love interest that got rejected by the main protagonist so oh, Nia like too? that's unfortunate yeah, Nia seems cool the, 
There's, oh, man, there's, okay, I'm just gonna spoil this moment because it's really dumb. It's so fucking dumb. Uh, dude, I've had so much for two spoiled for me, and, and okay. like, that was willfully, so go for okay, it. Okay, alright. So, <laughs> there's this moment in two where Nia's like, I love you, Rex. And then Rex is like, I love you too. I love everyone, all of our friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the most friend zone thing fucking possible. It is oh, no. hilarious. Uh, it's, yeah, uh, that kind of, uh, that's a fun thing that's in that game. So my big, brain the- my big brain theory is that Melia and Nia just fucking spurned lovers, basically. Like, neither of them got the protagonist when they wanted to. And so oh. they've gone on this vengeance mission to, like, lead their countries in war against each other. Maybe, um, maybe Melia's you know. a blade maybe yeah who knows uh who, who has any clue but um i'm uh, i'm interested to see what happens uh very yeah. very excited it's probably my most anticipated game aside from breath of the wild 2 i would say uh, it is it is up there for me so yeah i'm really looking yeah. forward to it we've talked about this but i think this is probably the only game this year that has potential to rival elden ring yeah for me it's, anyway it's not gonna it win definitely i mean is. elden ring elden ring is gonna win game awards i think everybody knows that but like <laughs> yeah all the all the mainstream stuff yeah yeah uh but you know we here in the weeb corner we know what's going on you know we know yeah. the real shit our japanese uh, rpgs so. yeah we love them they're great um so yeah any any other thoughts any anything you want to um mention before we close this thing out uh i don't know i we talked about this a little bit just personally but um the combat system to three looks super cool how you can switch yes. between all six characters and there's also like a final fantasy job system and it looks like the sort of job right. mastery stuff where if like you reach a certain rank with the job you can keep the skills or arts or whatever yep. it is um and switch between them and not only is it that it's like so each of the six main characters have one class or one uh, job all of the hero characters that you get as well, if you keep them in the party, like you can get your own party members to have those jobs too. So there's like mm-hmm. a, a bunch of different classes, it looks like, for everyone. I, I mean, again, it might be one of those things that could get overwhelming, but that, I don't know, that's, that seems up my alley as well. It seems pretty cool. I Yeah, I like that idea of just having someone be a class for a while just to get those skills and then just like taking it away from them. So you have that skill as a part of your base class. So like having Noah get a bunch of healing stuff so he can do healing stuff on his own. It's just great. Like I, I like yeah. that kind of flexibility. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope it... Hope it's good. Um, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. one of the one of the things, like in one, we already mentioned this a little bit. Like, if you're going for like a topple break synergy, which uh, can be super super strong in one, it can be frustrating to like if you're the one breaking, rely on the AI to like use their topple art after you break, or vice mm-hmm. versa. You have to wait until the AI uses a break art so you can topple. Yes. Um, so being able to switch between characters to do that, and also just like have an optimal build where maybe you can have a break and topple skill in your own kit so you don't have yeah. to switch around like that that seems like a cool idea exactly but two also introduce like layers on top of that where you can there's like la- there's like launch or something as yes well, launch right? and smash so you break topple launch smash basically so you yeah there's no days right uh i'm not sure i can't remember if there is days there might be days but i think like the main yeah the main kind of um one that you do is is that where you basically days is kind of useless to be i mean it's not useless yeah it's it's, you 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 can um you can days uh lock enemies uh you Mm -hmm. know if you if you have the right setup but it's hard to do obviously because you're relying on ai for a lot of that stuff in the the first game um 
but yeah launch being able to do that whole combo yourself of being like i'm gonna break on this character switch to another one to topple then launch then smash and just have it all very within your control i think is gonna feel great you know like i think mm-hmm. it's gonna be <coughs> a good addition um, also gems are back yes yeah that's true I like I I was overwhelmed at gems when I first started playing, but once it's you a weird sort system. of realize how it works, uh, they're not too complicated, and uh, it yeah. makes things pretty customizable. And it's you know it's deep, but it's not like over your head deep. It's like okay, here's your plus ether, so magic does more agility, right. up, blah blah blah. Um, so seeing gems come back, that that could be cool. That could be fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that adds like an, a nice level of customization to stuff. Um, yeah, I think. That, yeah, customization seems to be the name of the game here with three and um, lots of options, lots of classes, uh, loads of stuff like that. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to digging into it's it. It's a good thing. If they're smart, I don't know. Yeah, if they're smart, I don't know how the hell they'd handle this and they probably would have done it by now. But I think a demo for yeah. three would have been really killer for a lot oh, of yeah. people that haven't played Man. the series before. I would have worn that thing out, uh, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, it's Xenoblade, um, so the demo you probably could have gotten 20 hours of gameplay from or something. Oh, easily. Yeah, easily. Exactly. Um, I guess last question for you. Do you have any interest in playing X at any point in time? I'd really like to at some point. Um, I have a Wii U. Uh, I don't even mm-hmm. know where the hell it is right now. It's not with <laughs> Just me collecting dust in a cupboard somewhere, yeah. you know? And... Uh, like right before the switch came out a few months before the switch came out um i had an issue where my gamepad was malfunctioning and i i remember oh, i no. called nintendo and it was going to cost like 150 dollars to fix it oh, and i was like i'm not yikes. not gonna do that so you know no. maybe i'll uh use alternative methods <laughs> to, to play <laughs> yes. it at some point yeah if we no, don't that's get definitely a, a possible. port uh yeah. i think a port is i mean you know everyone Everyone wants one, but it makes mm-hmm. sense that they haven't done it yet because three, maybe next year or yeah. the year after, I could see a Xenoblade export coming. Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, yeah, I think there's some big brain theories out there of like how does Xenoblade X fit into things of like <laughs> the very idea of they'll wait until Xenoblade 9 and then be like, you already played 10. It came out like uh, 40 <laughs> years ago um, and Xenoblade X was actually Xenoblade 10, you know? This is, I guess, a good place to end maybe um i have a feeling i don't think this will be the end of the xeno series right because for those who don't know takahashi you know there was xeno gears which was going to be perfect works and then that fell apart but they actually sort of are making perfect works now where they had three games on ps2 xeno saga now we have three kind of four kind of five (laughs) i guess games in the Blade series, to me, this seems like it might be a good place to end Blade and then go to Xeno. I don't know, Xeno Gun. Whatever's next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Xeno Gun. Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could, I could certainly see that happening. Um, I think. I don't know. I feel like the Xeno Blade name is so important now to Nintendo that maybe yeah. they'll just be in- incentivized to keep that as the kind of main moniker for the series. Uh, but you know, I, you know, I'd love to see what the studio does even outside of that franchise they they had for years the kind of um concept art of a medieval style game uh that still hasn't appeared anywhere and has very cool art design and stuff surrounding it yeah supposedly gonna be an action rpg and stuff like that so i don't know if they have made any progress on that or if that's gonna be a thing that happens in the future but i i really love the like art style of sort of like you know futurism but it meets the natural Mm -hmm. world within the xenoblade series but seeing them take on like a full-on middle ages-esque like fantasy world i i'd like to see them do that 
I think I think they'd be great yeah. at it. I mean, they just make the best. They make the best worlds in the business. Like they do, it's incredible. X is like uh, another one of those on the list um, as well. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's the main reason I want to play X because again, one of my biggest flaws with the original game, um, which I didn't mention, was actually like exploring the world is incredible, but traversal can be very frustrating sometimes. Yeah, just because definitely. you don't move like slowly, but there's no sprint feature. And you know you don't mm-hmm. have a giant mech like you can have an uh, an X. So seeing yeah. more nuanced traversal mechanics, I think, would have been cool. Maybe it's in three, but it doesn't look like it from yeah. the trailers. Well, at least. so um, there is a boat that you're in at one point. It looks like that okay. you control. So maybe we'll get some more kind of transportation that lets you go around the world quicker. I mean, yeah, that's the best part of X for sure. I, I've just seen an X. Yeah, I've seen an X that not only is there the mech, like you can sprint, which I don't understand why they would possibly take that out. And yep. um, you can also like super jump or whatever. It yeah. Looks, it looks cool. And you can take no full damage. It's, um, I'm not going to spoil X, but there's... I mean, you're in space, I guess, so it makes there, sense, but you're still on a planet. There is a, there is a in-canon reason why you can take full damage uh, or don't take full damage and also you can... Uh, jump super far and stuff like that and sprint it's uh interesting stuff okay. x is an interesting game um and yeah i don't think there's any better feeling in a video game than the moment i got the ability to fly with my skull it was just it's transcendent yeah everyone who's played the game seems like they say that i'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to it at some point but I, i'm actually i'd like i would really like to play x at some point but i think after i play uh two and three if i continue to be like this enamored with the series as i am mm-hmm. i would really like to go back and play xenogears because everything i've heard about the story the story is like the best in the series there it's yeah i was talking about wanting those more philosophical and uh like theology elements that you get at the end Mm -hmm. of one i've heard that's like like all of (laughs) xenogears once you hit a certain point Um, i have also never played it and have been wanting to play it for a long time so uh yeah maybe we both uh play that at some point and and we can talk about it i'd be down i would recommend to both you and listeners if you guys haven't heard of it just this podcast in general but they did like a like a 15 part retrospective on xenogears it's called the Mm -hmm. resonant arc podcast um yes that guy did a bunch of like really good final fantasy reviews and stuff yeah he's he's done great work over the years i think no and in the the way that they break down games, but also just like go into the history of their development and even their localization with Xeno, uh, Xeno Gears, super, super interesting. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, no, I definitely will follow along with that uh, when I get to Xeno Gears. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like Square Enix don't want to give up the rights to that to uh, Nintendo or do not do any remaster with it. Like, I really want Nintendo to take those old Xeno games and remaster them and do something with them, but. It'd be great. Uh, you know, those yeah. rights those rights are with other people, Square and well, I, I Namco. So. Do they own Saga? Because I know Square has Gears, but I think they were Monolith yes. Soft when they made Saga. So I think, because, you know, like yeah. Cosmos is a, a Blade in two. So. so I believe Bandai Namco have that because they published the Xenosaga stuff. Okay. Uh, so, I, I could yeah. still see Namco being way more open to a remaster than Square. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it would be nice to get like a full Xeno collection on Switch. That would be fantastic. Yeah, get a, so. a, a Xeno Gears in HD 2D. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I can see that happening. Uh, seems to be what Square Enix want to do right now with all their old games. So uh, definitely, definitely possible. Yeah. If Dragon Quest Three is still alive, we heard about that like yeah. two years ago. Then it's like haven't heard anything since. And by the way, there's another like JRPG remaster. Yeah, that's they've just already out released now. 
two this <laughs> yeah. year and there's still another one uh, that still hasn't come out yet so yeah we'll see what they do with that but um yeah i think that's going to do us uh thanks Dan, for joining me here to nerd out about this series uh before great game. Uh, everyone gets excited for the new one coming out and uh really yeah game. where can um where can people go find you on the internet uh, if you want to listen to us talk about more anime RPG nonsense, uh-huh. <laughs> you can you can listen to our show Emblemcast, where we talk about Fire Emblem. Uh, we just finished a four-part Awakening retrospective, and we are now doing a Jesus Christ, probably a million-part Fates retrospective, where we're gonna. Oh my God, that is gonna take you years! <laughs> Holy shit! Yep. The uh... way we're doing it, though, just to make it so that uh, we don't go insane, <laughs> is. Um, we're splitting the games into three, so we're doing like we're doing Birthright first, then we're going to do another game, then Conquest, another game, then oh, Revelation. Okay. So we're spreading it out a little bit, but we've okay. we've begun our our fate saga. And uh, okay, oh boy, I I designated myself. Darren uh, decided to be the lore guy for Awakening, and for whatever reason, I thought it would be funny if I volunteered myself to be the lore guy <laughs> for Fates. Oh boy, so, okay. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, well, everyone else is having fun just hitting start, skipping all those cutscenes. I'm going to have to read them and take notes. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> so. Uh, so it's a really deep narrative, that game, you know? Uh, really know. holds up to, like, Xenoblade. It's yeah, really, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, so, hey, like Garen and Zanza, they're definitely on same levels. As, yeah, as no, no, no. Just deep, complex villains. That's yeah. what we're talking about. And, like, yeah. Iago being sort of like Dixon, you know? Uh-huh. They're... Yeah. <laughs> There are similarities, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, well, yeah, people can go check that out, put some links in the description. But, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for joining me again, and uh, hopefully everyone will be excited for Xenoblade 3 coming soon. Uh, we'll be talking about it, I'm sure, on the show uh, very soon, and uh, definitely when you get around to it, I'm sure we'll do a spoiler cast or something of the like. So, um, yeah, look yeah, forward for to sure. that. Uh, but until next time, thanks for listening, folks, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. smile